Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. So great to be with you again. And today, I'm going to introduce to you another member of our wonderful big family family. And I have here sitting with me Chalice. Now, Chalice, Hosanna Allison uh, is Serene's daughter. And Chalice is here today because she is learning the ropes of recording these podcasts. And uh, so um, Arden will be teaching her. She's been to be here since the very first one, but something has happened every single time, and many times Serene has needed her. In fact, uh, at Chalice is Serene's right-hand lady. I don't know what she would do without her. And we all love Chalice. She's 18 years of age and an angel sent from heaven. And uh, you will get to meet her 18-year-old sister. Yes, she has a sister who is the same age as her, originally from Liberia. Uh, When you get to meet uh, Cherish, uh, she's a little bit different than Chalice. Chalice is quieter, but I hope she'll say a few things today. Hi. (laughs) When... uh, Cherish comes, well, she won't stop talking. She is the social one of the family. In fact, she is head of CNN on the hilltop. Now, I won't tell you what CNN is. Of course, it's not the fake news, but it's something else we have. I'll tell you when I introduce Cherish to you. But there are 14 children in the Allison family, 10 of them still at home. And uh, so... Chalice, let me ask you a few questions. Tell me, what is your favorite thing to do? Or one of your favorite things, because I think you must have so many favorite things you love to do. Um, I have so many favorite things, yeah. But my favorite thing would probably be hanging out with my family, having a fun time, just... Hanging out. (laughs) Yes, I love that. Don't you love that to hear from a beautiful 18-year-old girl? She's not wanting to just go out and do so many of the things 18-year-olds are doing today. Her favorite thing, and that is so true, she just loves to hang out with her family. But I better tell you a secret. It's so fun hanging out with her family (laughs) because Colin and I we just love to go over to their family and sometimes after supper at night my husband will say let's go over to Serene and Sam's so we'll pop over and it's always the same they're all sitting around mum and dad and all the children each one doing their own thing or talking together and and just being together and it's just so wonderful i just love the f- just the family atmosphere don't you love it 
Exactly. Yes, yes, and uh, it's never boring. In fact, when you have Serene around, there's always some very interesting information, discussion, or, or some amazing thing that's happened, because with Serene, there is usually something rather interesting happening nearly every day, isn't there? (laughs) All the most funniest things in the world happen to her. So there's always a story. So I just love that. And I I know um, Chalice has said to me that her best friends in life are her mum and dad. And that's just such a beautiful testimony. But even though... Chalice loves to be home and just loves to be with her family. She has still traveled quite a bit. How many countries of the world have you been to, Chalice? Well, um, I've been to the United Kingdoms, Mm -hmm. all of them. That's four countries, yes. And the Bahamas and China. Wow. Yes, so... uh, Chalice actually does get to travel a lot because she travels with Serene uh, because usually Serene's always got a baby and uh, when she's having to do interviews or filming, Chalice comes along so she can watch the baby while she's doing an interview. So she ended up going to China with the whole Trim Healthy Mama team. In fact, that was the time. I wonder if you ever saw... Uh, my Instagram picture of Serene on her way to China. They were going for how many days? Was it 12 days or something you went? Yeah. Yes. And Vangeline was going too, her and her husband and Charlie, uh, Pearl and her husband Charlie and Serene and Sam and other Trim Healthy Mama um, members of their um, organization. But Serene decided she was going to travel light. She was tired of lugging around cases everywhere. So she thought, this time I am going light. So she searched the internet and found that there are people who do loads of traveling and have to travel light. And so they purchased these merino wool clothes. They are so fine and you can wear them summer or winter. And because they are wool, they don't sweat. So uh, they don't get stinky. And you can just keep wearing them every day. They do get stinky, but well, you, just have to, <laughs> you just have to like lay them out oh, overnight. Yeah. And that's all you in have to do? In the morning, they're fine. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yes. So anyway, Serene purchased these merino wool clothes. And of course, I said to her, that's so great because I was brought up in New Zealand, a sheep country. And my father was the one who designed the way shearing is done across the world today. And he was in his prime, the world champion shearer, the fastest shearer in the world in his day. He has now passed on. But he always used to say that uh, you must wear wool. He always wore wool. And he tried to get us to always wear wool because it was so healthy for you. So anyway, Serene purchased a skirt, some leggings, a top, and an extra little top, which she wore. 
And that was her outfit in which she travelled to China and which she wore every <laughs> single day. And she arrived home in it. The same outfit. She did not have another outfit. So when she left, she had this little wee backpack on her back of just a few little things. She had nothing else because she had her outfit on her and that was all. And Remy, she had purchased for him uh, these little, um, you know, merino wool clothes. And he had an even tinier backpack. And that's how she traveled. <laughs> so she didn't get too stinky. No. <laughs> she had a couple extras. Oh, she did, yes. But they fitted in her tiny little mm -hmm. backpack, didn't they? So anyway, I've never quite got to um, you know, traveling like that. I always try to travel light, but I never get to that extent. So did you like going to China? Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. It was probably my favorite country I've ever been to. Yes, but you'll most probably go to many more yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, um, yes, and when you traveled to the UK, in fact, that's when you came with us. You were only 14 then, and you were a little bit homesick. <laughs> yes. But which country did you like best in the UK? Um... I think I liked Wales the best. You do. I thought you liked Scotland the best, but you liked Wales. <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh, we went for some gorgeous walks in Wales, didn't we? That was just so amazing. But then we went out into the Highlands when we went to Scotland. Mm -hmm. You'll always remember that. And the snow fights up in the Highlands. Do you remember that? A little. <laughs> <laughs> Too long ago. <laughs> oh, yes. So I think you've traveled to lots of states here in, in America, too. Have you ever counted up how many? Nope. You haven't. <laughs> um, but I've been to lots. Yes. And you've even lived in different states before uh, Trim Healthy Mama came into being. Uh, Sam did quite a number of projects where he had to go overseas and to other states in the nation. And so I think you lived in Mississippi, didn't you? Yep, and Mississippi, Texarkana, Maryland. Our, yes. Yeah. yeah, Texarkana, that was in Arkansas, wasn't it? Where's Texarkana? Arkansas. Yes, yes. 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 So we visited you in all those places and they were all very interesting. Mm. In fact, I remember, oh, we all, that's why we visited you because we missed you so much. We're so used to having you around. In fact, I remember an incident and this is when you came back from one of your trips. And I don't know whether you remember this, Arden. Arden's here recording. And you were just young. But here on the hilltop, the, um, we have Evangeline's family, Serene's family, Pearl's family. And the children have all grown up together. They all live their own separate lives. But <clears throat> there's also this, you know, wonderful uh, coming together. And the children, after they would have homeschooled in the day, they're always wanting to get with their cousins. And they're like brothers and sisters. And I remember one time, Serene and Sam arrived home 
unexpectedly. And I remember I was there over at Evangeline's place and Arden was coming around the corner of the house and his cousins saw him. I have never seen anything like it in my life. They, they were just so overexcited to see their cousin who they loved. They pounced on him. They, they had him down on the ground with bare hugs of love. I've never seen such love poured out with such kind of demonstrativeness because they were all guys. But to see that love together when they were together again. It was so amazing. Do you ever remember that, Arden? You do? Yes. Anyway, <clears throat> now I know another thing you love to do, Chalice. You love to read. Mm-hmm. Yes. I do. And what are some of your favorite authors? My favorite author would have to be George MacDonald. Yes. Because like when I was little, my dad got me to read uh, The Light Princess. And then I started reading all the bigger books. And they're so amazing. And sort of like my dad's dad gave them to my dad. And then my dad gave them to me. So yes. they're like, I don't know. So Chalice is a George MacDonald fan. Have you ever read any of George MacDonald books? Well, I've got to read them too because Chalice has borrowed them to me. Chalice loves to come over when she's read a good book and she doesn't just tell us about it. She arrives with it and she says, Here, Nana and Grandad, you've got to read this. It's so good. So... George MacDonald, you may know, was actually C.S. Lewis's mentor, and he was a Scottish minister, but he, he wasn't the status quo, and he didn't just bow to the status quo, and he had so many revelations of, of understanding that they didn't always accept in the so-called you know, church. So he began to write instead, and he wrote novels, but filled with doctrine and revelation. And the wonderful stories, uh, always in Scotland, uh, but also filled with wonderful, beautiful biblical revelation. And so Shabbos was blessed. As a young girl, she just read these books and got all this wonderful deep stuff as she read them. Yes, yeah, so they're good. Get hold of one if you haven't not familiar with a George MacDonald book. And you love the Lamplighter books too, don't you? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite? My favorite Lamplighter book is, let me think. I was going to say, I was going to say The White Gypsy, but even better would have to be Ishmael. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because that's what happened the other week. <laughs> Chalice came over. She said, Nana and Granddad, you've got to read Ishmael. So I read it. And I would have to say, oh, my. 
It's one of my favorite books, too, mm-hmm. along with the sequel, which is called Self-Raised. They're actually one book. The one story just carries on, and but it's in two books. And it was written by Eden Southworth. No, her name's not Eden. It has E-D-E-N, and it actually stands for Emma Dorothy Eliza Nevitt. And uh, But she was actually the most popular American novelist in the latter part of the 19th century. And she wrote more than 60 novels. But this one, if ever you can get hold of Ishmael and Self-Raised, wow, it's worth reading. It's about this little baby that was born in shame. He didn't even have an acknowledged father to take his name. He was born in utter poverty. He was born dying. In fact, his auntie, who was left to look after him, was expecting him to die any minute. In fact, she hoped he would. She didn't want to be bothered with this little baby that was born in shame and and uh, also now added another mouth to her to feed. And She just hoped he'd die. But he didn't die. There was something in this child, and God put something in him. And he just rose, and uh, he had within him just such a longing for knowledge and for righteousness and for justice. And there was just something of God upon this child. And even out of poverty, God caused circumstances to happen where he was helped along the way and eventually, I mean eventually, he rose to the zenith of height in our nation and became a great man of righteousness and judgment and uh, oh wow, he, he was just something else and uh, I, I can I remember when he rose to that that status of being a lawyer in uh, Washington DC and uh, he had not he'd never been to college he had no opportunity to do that and he um, so he hadn't been able to go to college to study law, but he read books. He was a voracious reader, and he read and he read, and then he would go to the courthouse and watch and observe. And God had miraculously put him in touch with a Supreme Court judge, and he came to him and he said, I believe I'm ready to, uh, you know, sit the bar exam. And he just laughed. He said, you cannot do that. You haven't even been to college. And he said, I beg to differ with you, sir. And he said, I believe I have read. I believe I'm ready. And uh, anyway, this judge uh, gave in and said, okay, you can sit the exam. Of course, he passed with flying colors. And do you remember reading about his first case and uh, this great big uh, lawyer, uh, one of the best in Washington uh, because he was friends with the Supreme Court judge. He gave him this case and it was about this husband who was wanting to take the children off his wife and somehow Ishmael didn't feel it was right. Something was wrong. 
So he went and searched and ferreted out this poor woman who had been left by this man with the children. And he had just gone off and squandered money. And, and now he was wanting the children back. But he would never taken any notice of them. And, and Ishmael realized the right justice was with this woman. And so, although this man had plenty of money to pay him, he decided, no, I will not take that case. Instead, he stood on the side of this woman who could not pay him in his money, and he had to stand against the three best lawyers in uh, Washington, but he was, there was such an amazing gift on this young man that he just won the case hands down, The whole of Washington had never seen anything like it. In fact, these big lawyers, they wanted to get him into their firms, but, of course, he declined because he did not agree with their justice. He was always out for justice. Anyway, I can't tell you any more of the story. It's the most amazing story, and uh, they have to read it, don't they? Mm -hmm. Hey, did you ever read The Hidden Hand? Yes. You did. Did you like Mm -hmm. that one? It was. It was really good. I have read that it is the most popular lamplighter book, but I haven't read it yet. But maybe I will. But you still like Ishmael better? Um, yes, Yes, yes. So anyway, um, do you get the lamplighter books for your children? They're wonderful stories, aren't they? The only one problem is they are rather expensive. Do you have a better way of finding them? I know you have great ways of getting books. Well, um, some of them I look look up the author's name and find older copies that aren't lamplighters, but they're older copies and sometimes they're cheaper. Yes, that's a good idea because you can always search and find ways of getting them cheaper. Although I'm not backdooring lamplighter, they are the most wonderful. But uh, they won't be as beautiful. I know, that's right. Well, you know what? I had uh, quite a number of lamplighter books. They weren't lamplighter books then. When I was a child, I had these old, old copies. They were in my library when I was a child. And I can remember reading. I wonder if you've read these ones. Um, Let's see, what ones did I... Oh, yes, I had a peep behind the scenes. Have you read that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Christie's Old Organ. The Hedge of Thorns. Yep. The Basket of Flowers. Uh They were all my favorite stories when I was a child. I read them over and over again and cried my way through them every time. And so I loved these books. And, uh, of course, now they're available with lamplighter. But as Charlie said, you just might be able to find them cheaper, um, which would be so great. Oh, I know another author that you like. You like G.A. Henty books too, don't you? Yeah, I like history. <laughs> yes. So you found lots of those just online, haven't you? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite? My favorite would have to be St. Bartholomew's Eve. Yes. I haven't read that. What's it about? It's about, um, you know, when the Catholics in France, mm-hmm. they were trying to, like, kill off all the Protestants. Mm-hmm. It was really good. 
Yes, I'll have to read that sometime. I have read a few G.A. Henty. If I had all the time in the world, I'd love to read more. I don't just get time, but they are such wonderful books of history, but they give it in such an exciting way. Wonderful books for your children. Uh, the, the, of all the ones I have read, my favorite is For the Temple. Didn't you love that one? Oh, oh. that was my first. Yes, For the Temple, about the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. Oh, you've just got to get that one. I'm sure you can just pick it up, just download it for free. It, it, but it's such an amazing story. It's one you could read to your children. It's, it's just so wonderful. Isn't it great to read? Reading a book is like having a friend and the sad part about it is you come to the end and the friend's gone. <laughs> but I have always loved reading. In fact, I have a huge library of books and beside my bed I have three piles of books about three feet high each and all of these are books that I desperately want to read but can't find time to read them so they stay in their piles and because when I get to bed at night which is really the only time I have to read I, I think oh I could read that book and then I think no oh I've just got to get a little bit more word into me because I have such a longing for the word. It's not just a book. It's food for my soul and my soul hungers after it. And uh, so I love to read it. And so, of course, I would read the Word more than anything else. And then I do love to read Bible commentaries. I guess not everybody loves to do that. And uh, meditational books like uh, A.W. Tozer's books. Have you read any of A.W. Tozer? I love especially the attributes of God and the knowledge of the holy. Oh, those are amazing books. They take you into the depths and away from the shallow into the depths and challenge your soul, I'd encourage you to read them if you can. In fact, I was reading uh, somewhere recently where this author said, if you read something new, uh, you should also read something old to balance it. And I think that's quite a good idea. Today, we usually just read what is modern, what's around today. But it's good to balance that up with reading something old, too. There's a wonderful scripture in the Bible. I love it. It's in Matthew 13, 52. And, uh, yes, and Jesus said, he was telling a story, Therefore, every scribe which is instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which brings forth out of his treasure things new and old. I love that. Bringing out of our treasure both the new and the old. So, perhaps you could take up that challenge. When you read some modern book, 
well, go back to something old as well. I think this is a good scripture to remember too, even with music, because music evolves over time and every different generation has a different style of music. And, uh, you know, the young generation, they usually only like their style of music, and especially in the church, Now today, we are blessed with the beautiful uh, worship songs. Some of them are shallow, but many of them are so beautiful, worshipful, and uh, glorious. And I I think we as older people, because I'm one of the older ones, that I have to embrace and enjoy the new, and I love to do that. But I also think that in embracing the new, we shouldn't forget the old. And so I love to uh, have the good old hymns, which are filled with doctrine and such wonderful truth about our great redemption, uh, to have our grandchildren sing them so they don't lose them. And so they have the new, but they have something of the old too. And today, most young people have never even heard of a hymn. They don't even know them, and they do miss out on some of those wonderful doctrinal truths. So let's remember new and old. Now, while we're talking about books, perhaps I'll just keep going. Would you like to hear uh, about some of the interesting books I've read over the years? I've read hundreds of books Uh, although I have to put a little word of caution here. Uh, Before I was married, I was what you would be called a bookworm and just read uh, whenever I could, read into the hours of the night, read under the blankets with a flashlight because uh, my parents had told me to turn out the light. But then I got married. Then children came along, and I found that I could no longer keep up that practice because I had to discipline my life to be ready for each new day to manage my household and care for my children. And so gone were the days when I could just read any book I liked or whenever I liked. And what I found is that I would usually keep for my just light reading, a good historical novel, uh, I would keep to perhaps Christmas time or some vacation time where I was relaxing. But in normal daily life, I just keep to my Bible and my commentaries and my meditational books. Because when you read a meditational book as you're going off to sleep, it sends you to sleep. If you read an exciting story, it keeps you awake and you're tempted to keep reading into the hours of the night and then you wake up the next morning bleary-eyed and tired and you cannot function as a mother. I believe, dear mothers, we have to discipline our lives for the great task that God has given us to do. We can't let other little things just take over so they take away our strength and our anointing for the job that God has given us. So we should get to bed at a reasonable hour. Now, I haven't always done that, so I'm not actually... uh, 
talking from real experience, but God has been speaking to me, and I'm realizing more and more how important it is to get to bed at a reasonable hour uh, to function the next day. So don't just read any old book into the hours of the night. You, you, because you're a mother, you have to discipline yourself and keep your reading for uh, when you can have a very special moment when you're just on vacation or perhaps you're riding in the car or doing things like that. Uh, another thing we have to watch too, and that's social media, because that takes over a lot of mothers in the evening hours. Sometimes, eventually, when children are in bed and everything is done, and oh, at last you've got some me time, as you call it, and you think, now I can get on social media and I can get on Facebook, and that often just gets a hold of you and takes you longer than you intended. A dear friend of mine was telling me recently uh, she handles a big homeschooling email uh, group and uh, she said she notices that at about 10 o'clock at night it just gets so busy. All the mothers got their children in bed and now they're just getting on social media. So away it goes. But that's sad. 10 o'clock at night, you should be getting to bed ready for the next day. Is your husband in bed? You're not just leaving him there alone, are you? No, we need to go to bed with our husband when it is possible. That's what we're meant to do. We're meant to be available for one another, not sitting out on social media while he lies there waiting for you. So let's remember, be disciplined about social media, even about reading. But let me tell you some wonderful books. for When you get this, the time to do these, um, this wonderful, what would you call it, uh, dessert time. I always call books that are so enjoyable just my dessert. They're a special. Um, oh, yes. Have you ever read any of Elizabeth Googe's books? G-O-U-D-G-E. She wrote an amazing book called Green Dolphin Street. It was situated in England and then eventually went to New Zealand uh, at the time of the Maori Wars. And it is, was the most fascinating, amazing story. When we get a good book, it does the rounds. So I read it, Evangeline read it, Serene read it, we, my sister read it. We all talked about it and we loved it. Such an amazing story. And, of course, the most amazing part of the story is that this young man knew two sisters who were both in love with him. When he went down to New Zealand, he wrote for the one he loved. But sadly, he got the wrong one. Oh, goodness me. Then the book tells the story. Uh, she also wrote 
The Child from the Sea, which was the story of King Charles II and his secret wife Lucy. That was an amazing story. The Dean's Watch, The Scent of Water, and many others. Oh, let me tell you about a book that you most probably don't know about. Hardly anybody knows about it. It's just a simple paperback. But I think it's a book that everyone in America should read, and we should read it to our children. In fact, Charlie, I gave it to your mom for all of you to read. Now, have you read it? Well, I better tell you the name. It's called The Journey of Private Galleon, How America Became a Superpower. Have you ever read it? Um, I haven't even heard of it. Well, I'm going to have to get on to your mother and tell her, hey, you've got this amazing book. You've got to read it to the children. Uh, it tells the story, his daughter writing it, and she only found out in very, very later years as he was nearing the end of his life because he could never, he could never tell. He could not speak about the things he saw. But God miraculously led him. It was towards the end of the Second World War, and he felt that he had to go and walk. He didn't know why, but God, he didn't really, well, he had met God, but, oh, God just directed him. In fact, he just walked, and he kept walking, and he felt these hands behind him pushing him onwards when he was too tired to take another step he felt these hands pushing him on and he found Camp Dora this was the concentration camp where the Germans were making the missiles in the second world war and he discovered them just at the end just before Russia got to them and uh, the U.S. were able to gather up all those scientists and all that technology, and they brought it back to the States, which eventually helped our space program. And uh, it was, without this young soldier, life would not be what it is today. We may have been taken over by the Russians. It was a divine thing that happened, and God was with him. And God used this young soldier to discover this camp. It is an amazing story and some, a story, I'm sure you can just pick it up on the internet, but something you could read to your children. It's history that most people don't know about and yet affected the course of the whole of the USA. So I'd really encourage you to get that and read it. Uh, Another interesting book that I have read recently is Cyropedia. It's the education of Cyrus by the great uh, Greek historian Xenophon. Now, I'm sure you've all heard of uh, Cyrus, who was the king of Persia. He was also called the king of the four corners of the earth, Cyrus the Great. Uh, He was not what you would say a godly man, and yet he was. He didn't uh, walk with God, but he was a man who walked after righteousness and justice. And it's amazing. Did you know that uh, 
Cyrus is mentioned 23 times by name in the Bible, and he's alluded to several more times. In fact, his name, Cyrus, was written in the Bible, not just about him, but his actual name before he came to power and became Cyrus the Great. 150 years before he came to the throne, his name was written in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? And so it's worth reading about him. And so I got to find out his history. And uh, in Persia, he was sent to a school. Uh, The whole purpose of the school was to learn righteousness and justice. Wouldn't it be amazing to have schools like that today? And the children who went to that school were also taught generosity and benevolence. And this was upon Cyrus, even as a little child. He was taught it, but even more than that, it was in him. And it's interesting how God is in everything. God obviously raised up a child who became a man with these attributes because he had to find a man with these attributes and in power who could fulfill his prophetic word, which was that the children of Israel or Judah who were taken to Babylon, that after 70 years, they would come back to Jerusalem. Now, how was that going to happen? Well, God He raised up a man, and he raised up this man who was so benevolent. Oh, the stories of his benevolency and his generosity were amazing. In fact, when I read this book, it wasn't a Christian book, and but it was like I was reading the Bible. I was getting convicted every day. Oh goodness me! And um, he, as he became the general, and then he became the great king of Babylon because he conquered Babylon. He was always looking out for his soldiers to praise them, to affirm them. And when he saw them do something good, he would always praise them and he would give them gifts. He loved to give gifts. He was so generous. And the people in those way back then, they wanted to be conquered by him because he did not, when he conquered them, he didn't make them slaves. He freed them. And they all just worshipped him to the ends of the earth. And they loved to know that they were under his power. And so this man, because of who he was and because he was so generous, he as he did with many countries, he, he thought of these Jews. Here they are. They are captives in my country of Babylon. But, oh, they have their own country. And so he, God put it in his mind to send them back, send them back to Jerusalem. And he even provided the finance for them to rebuild the temple. Amazing how God raises up people in history, even those who don't know his name. In fact, in Isaiah 45, it says, I raised you up even though you did not know me. God was using him. So I love reading that book. Oh, another uh, book that was amazing that I read uh, was, um, oh, yes, what was it? 
um, got to tell you about this book. And I am sure that I wrote it down because I wanted to tell you about it. And let me see. Oh, yes, The Tongue of the Prophets by Robert St. John. This is the biography of Eliezer ben Yehuda, who is the father of modern Hebrew. Now, the Hebrew language was lost. It was no longer a spoken language for 2,000 years. It had been lost. But God raised up this man, Eliezer ben Yehuda, to restore the Hebrew language. He went through absolute suffering and uh, ridicule the whole time he was doing this book. He gave his life for it. And uh, it's just an amazing story of how the Hebrew language came into being again. Amazing. But... Uh, Just at the end of our podcast today, uh, let me get back to perhaps where you really are as a mother with your children. I hope you are a reading mother to your children. It's so important to be a reading mother. I love Strickland Gilliland's uh, poem. The last line says, You may have tangible wealth untold, caskets of jewels. And coffers of gold, richer than I, you can never be. I had a mother who read to me. Do you read to your children? When I was raising our children, I constantly read. When the little ones were getting upset and, um, you know, bouncing off the walls, I would say to them, children, let's have a story. So I would gather them around me, cuddle them in tight, and we would read stories. They would get up and they would be happy again. When they all got into a bad state again, okay, let's have story time again. And so I was forever reading them stories. And, uh, oh, I always loved to read and rhyme. It's so much easier and more fun than just reading a story, isn't it? So one of the favorite authors I read to my children when they were growing up was Bill Peet, P-E-E-T. Have you read any of his storybooks, ladies? If you haven't, get them for your children. You can go online. They're just paperback, but they are just amazingly illustrated, and they are all in rhyme. And this guy, Bill Pete, uh, he wrote, oh, I think he wrote 36 um, children's stories, and they were all amazing. And let me tell you about some of them just going a little bit longer today, but I want to tell you about these. Um, The favorite one that our children loved loved was called Huge Harold. It was about this great big huge rabbit. In fact, there were a couple of lines in that book, and the children still remember them today. I mean, some of my children are in their 50s, and they will still say, doggone and dagnabbit, that's what I call a whopping big rabbit and uh, that those lines just stayed with them because they were so fun to say and he wrote Kermit the Hermit about the hermit crab and uh, loads of other books haven't got time to tell you about them all but rhyme 
it's so fun to read rhyme to your children. And that's why nursery rhymes are so good, too. I read the nursery rhymes to our children. They all learned them by heart because nursery rhymes are so important for their uh, language development, their memory development, uh, for their spell. No, not their spelling. They don't. They just remember. Even their music development, because you sing them to them as well, and uh, also their math development. They are amazing. Do all do your children know the nursery rhymes? Well, I do have to admit that a lot of them are pretty crazy. You don't even know what they're talking about. Uh, and I used to think that, even when I was teaching my children nursery rhymes, I thought, oh, they're really a bit crazy. But the rhyme was so good, and children love rhyme, and they need the rhyme, and they need to say it. And so eventually, I thought I will one day write my own nursery rhyme book, which I have. I wonder if you have a copy of it. It's called Nanny's Nursery Rhymes. And so... I write. Uh, I wrote these nursery rhymes. Serene and Pearl wrote some of them too, and these are nursery rhymes that uh, speak about the things we want to impart to our children, like working hard and being happy and putting on a smile and honouring your parents and so on. Of course, they're fun ones as well. So. If you want to get this book, it's hard-covered. You can just go to AboveRubies.org and you'll find it there because nursery rhymes are so good. As the children got older, we read them serial stories at night time. We'd get a great book and, and we'd just read, a f well, supposedly one chapter, but it was always more because the children would plead for more. So we'd read another chapter. Then they'd plead for more. And so we'd read another chapter. And I used to read for hours. Some of the books, well, we'd cry. Some we'd laugh. But they were just such wonderful times together. Uh, one of the ones we specifically loved was Children on the Oregon Trail. It was just so neat. But anyway... Uh, our time has gone today. Perhaps I will close by reading to you the whole poem by Strickland Gilliland. It's called The Reading Mother. I had a mother who read to me sagas of pirates who scoured the sea, cutlasses clenched in their yellow teeth, blackbirds stowed in the hold beneath. I had a mother who read me lays of ancient and gallant and golden days, stories of Marmion and Ivanhoe, which every boy has a right to know. I had a mother who read me tales of Gelert, the hound of the hills of Wales, true to his trust till his tragic death, faithfulness blent with his final breath. I had a mother who read me things that wholesome life to the boy heart brings, stories that stir with an upward touch. Oh, that each mother of boys was such. You may have tangible wealth untold, caskets of jewels and coffers of gold. Richer than I, you can never be. I had a mother who read to me. Oh.